tampons. No, that's what I call gospel. <laughs> we should start doing that kind of thing. No, we don't. We, we would have been so many people. <laughs> I don't know how to do the proper vocal warm-ups, so I just make them all up. Like, I fuck them up. All the correct them. ones, because the correct one is tip of the tongue, teeth, and the lips. I'm like, tipples and nipples. The nipples. Te- teeth in the tongue. <laughs> Which is so dirty. <laughs> Again, so gross. Someone someone took the Corinthian from Sandman but <laughs> fucked up real hard. <laughs> They're like, where was his teeth? Not the eye sockets. It was the tongue, right? Yeah. And then, that was it. And then tipples on the nipples? Yeah, that sounds tipples right. Tipples and nipples. <laughs> teeth in the tongue. You got it. Yeah, and that's basically my warm up, my vocal warm up before you we nailed start. It. I think that's why I'm so good at this. <laughs> That's why you have that great radio voice. Yes. I could if I tried. Yeah. But guess what, guys? I'm not trying to have great radio voice. We're not here to give you great radio voice. I don't have great radio voice. We're so here it's fine. to give you, I don't know, whatever you want to get out of this, I guess. We're here because we're crazy for you. Bum, 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 bum. You're welcome. You're welcome. Welcome to Rock Candy, <laughs> your weekly podcast, bringing you sweet treats from the world of music, mm-hmm. their stories, their tales, and their stupid hot takes from two dumb, drunk, crazy ladies. Mm-hmm. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And this week we are bringing you another crazy lady. Oh yeah, she's crazy. Oh, she's crazy. But in kind of the best way. I'm all right with for, it. For 80% of it, yes. Sure. Okay. I would I would say that there's like twenty percent I'm not here for. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. we're gonna have to I like mean, hold off on that for next episode. There's, there's a lot that I wasn't here for. Right. And I'm kind of okay with it now. Hmm. We'll get into it, but we're talking about Madonna. What? Thanks, yeah. Madonna. <laughs> hey, Lady Madonna. Children at your feet. And what are you? Is this the Beatles? Like a, oh, okay. I'm Lady like, is this Madonna. a train song? What are you doing? Fucking, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't train, know. I don't I know why I went covered Lady Madonna. Probably, I don't know why my head went automatically to train, but no. Drops of Madonna in her hair. Hey, 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 yay! <laughs> Stop. We don't need to bring train into this. We never need to bring you, train. There anywhere. is never I'm an not. occasion when you should bring train into anything. I might come on ride the train. But I'm not bringing oh, the train different. into the station. That's different. Yeah. There's too many train references and songs. But Come On Ride the Train is the best one. It's the only one. It's the only one you should be listening to. Right. If you're listening to train instead of Come On Ride the Train, you're fucking up. So I, first and foremost. One of the first times I heard that train song was when I was Drops on, of Jupiter, not Come On Ride the Train. This was, yeah, Come On Ride the Train. Oh, God. Come so On good. Ride the Train. Um, I was at Great Escape. In Lake George, New York, when I was very young. And one of the few really good rides at that amusement park was, it was like the Scrambler, but it was inside of a dark dome. And it was like- It was the magical mystery ride. Yes. I fucking loved that goddamn ride. And they got rid of it. And I I raged. It was the only good one there. And they got rid of it. It was amazing. It was a fucking Scrambler inside of a pitch dark dome with just like laser lights going on. And they played Come On Ride the Train. Fucking nineties dance tunes. It was so good. Yeah. I mean, granted, yes, of course, you listen to Madonna to prepare for this, but then you also just kind of slide into sweet, sick nineties jams. Yeah. Cause you're and like eighties jams too. Oh God. We did we definitely went on a little journey before we started. And then halfway through I realized that the beer we have tonight is nine percent. And I was like, Whoopsie Daisy. I need to slow my roll and pump the brakes. Yeah. So there's that. So I'll go into our beer because yeah. I'm holding it and talking about it and caressing it lightly. We're drinking McKellar's uh, Hazy For You, which is a uh, obvious nod to Crazy, crazy For, for you. you. Oh, duh. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> they could have also done Hazy hazy On You and done a heart one. Yeah, they could have. They could have done both. I, I think they're... Um... Basic enough to Ooh. do Madonna and shots. I'm Fired. sorry, like they're gonna give a shit. They're not. Yeah, gonna they're not gonna to give this. a shit. No. First of all, they will never hear this. But second of all, 
they don't care. Yeah, they, they don't, don't care. need they don't need our help or dishelp to sell beers. Agreed. They will. Be they're just doing fine. just fine. They're really god smacking it. They're god smacking it. They're doing better than god smacking it. I would say. They're doing better than god smack at this point. Period. Truth. But um, it's actually it's perfectly it's a great IPA with Citra and Simcoe hops. It's tasty. It is cloudier than most. IPs that I'm used to. It, I mean, it, it is lives hazy up, for It you. lives up to the name. They're not fucking around here. They are guys. not. Does it have lactose in it? No, it doesn't. Oh, no lactose, but nine percent alcohol. Them. And and that's and that's not great for me. And I need to slow down. It's a weekday. It's a school day, man. It's Monday, but it's also been a shitty Monday. Sure has. And so. all I wanted to do was come home and drink, and I did it. <laughs> And I even did yoga before Yay, I drank. Good for so you. look at me. Good job. This is what adulting is. Adulting is when you're like, all right, I want to drink, but I got to get my chores done first. Like when you were it's a kid, like a it was like, right. When you're a kid, you're like, I want to watch my cartoons, but I got to do my homework first. When you're an adult, I want to drink my beer, but I got to get my oh, chores no. when done. When you're a kid, you're just like, I'm going to watch cartoons until my mom yells at me to do my homework. That's true. When you're an adult, you, did you just not lay have on the, the couch and drink a beer you in filth. Yeah, you did not have the responsibility, the responsible qualities as a child <laughs> to make those kind of decisions and no. say, you know what? My 13-year-old self is going to do this homework, so then I can watch my cartoons. Yeah. We didn't have, like, fucking TiVo or anything. No, we had to watch that shit when we got home. Yeah. You had to watch it or you missed it forever. Yeah. But I guess, like, more for, like, kids who played video games and their parents, like, locked that shit up. Video games you can play whenever. Fuck off. Right. You always had that luxury. But, like, Animaniacs was only on at 4.30 if I fucking missed it. I and I learned things from Animaniacs. That was edumatainment. Wow. We went on a tangent. Hey, we do that here. Yay. Just so you know, we're not even 10 minutes in. We go on tangents. It's fine. But I guess we talked about the delicious beer. We introduced ourselves. We talked about that we're going to talk about Madonna. <laughs> so I guess we could just talk about Madonna then. Yeah. Well, first, I should mention my primary source. Ooh, primary source. For my notes here. Mm. And that would be the book Madonna Like an Icon mm. by Lucy O'Brien. Very nicely written book. Nicely written nicely book. Nicely written book. Can that go in like the reviews? <laughs> nicely written book. Ashley Ellis, Rock Candy Podcast. Amazon, four and a half stars. Ooh. Nicely written book. Nicely written book. Pretty good. Yeah. It's not, you know what? Good. Good. Good book to read about Madonna. Indeed. <laughs> When I first started writing my notes, I accidentally wrote Madonna Louise Ciccone was boring instead of born. <laughs> and nothing could be farther from the truth. In her nearly 40 year career, Madonna has become the best selling female recording artist of all time. But it's not just the music industry that she has dominated. Film, fashion, books, charities, and other industries have Madonna's stamp all over them, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because not only is Madonna prolific, she's controversial as fuck, too. Yes. In many different ways. Yes, indeed. Madonna Louise Ciccone was born in Bay City, Michigan, and spent her early years in nearby Pontiac. She shares a first name with her mother, who be- who came from a French-Canadian family from Bay City. But her father, Silvio, or Tony Ciccone, came from a very large Italian immigrant family near Pittsburgh. His name's... Tony Ciccone. Tony Ciccone. I didn't even realize that until today when I was reading over my notes. I'm like, Tony Ciccone. Tony Ciccone. (laughs) (laughs) After a three-year-long distance courtship, Madonna Sr. and Tony married and immediately started their family. And yes, I'm going to call her Madonna Sr. Because it's the easiest way to differentiate them. But you know what, though? I like that. Yeah. I like that the lady can be a senior. Right? And the lady can make her daughter a juniorette. Oh, that's cute. Right? Yeah. Fuck that patriarchy. First came Anthony in 1956, then Martin a year later. So, also Tony Ciccone. Also, also Tony Ciccone, but Tony Ciccone was actually Silvio. Junior Tony was actually Tony. Does that make sense? It does, but it's dumb. It is dumb, but (laughs) he's naming himself after 
he's naming his son after himself, but not really after he's himself. He's naming his son after who he wishes he was. He's naming his He wished he was truly the Tony Chicone. The Chicone of his dreams. So what he did was create not the Tony Chicone that we need, but the Tony Chicone that we deserve. Oh. Madonna, the Chicone's first girl, was born August 16th, 1958. But she wasn't the last girl. Paula came along a year later, followed by Christopher, and then Melanie. That's a lot of kids. There's a big old fucking family. Is that four kids? Five kids? Six kids. Woof! It is six kids. Too many kids. Too many kids. I'm sorry. Kids. You can have as many too kids as you want. But that's... that's But that's too many that kids. That is six too many for this lady. Maybe, like, get off her for a night. He's Italian. He's a lustful man. Yes. He's a lover of the ladies. He loves the Italian ladies. <laughs> Chicone got to spread of his seed. <laughs> just to know. Stick it in the manicotti and then you take it, oh, right? Oh, woof, woof. That's what he calls so, his dick, the manicotti. Wait, does he really? No. Oh. No. I was like, wait, how do you know this? Is this in your sources? <laughs> this is a very detailed biography this of Madonna. A little too nicely written biography. <laughs> Especially love the part about Tony's manicotti. Ugh, I don't Yuck. need to know. But also for context, I would like to say that the entire time we speak with Italian accents, we are oh, doing the hand. We're doing the Italian hand. You have to. You have to. It's how Italians talk. It's either the, the scrunched up fingers or the splayed fingers. Like, uh, oh, yeah. See, I am not Italian, so I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. There's the scrunched up fingers, there's the splayed fingers, and then there's the, uh, fuck you. But I feel like, like you're going to hit hand. me with that. It's the flat hand. You're really mad when you do this. Oh, you're going to hit me. I'm going to hit you. She might. For a few years, things seemed to be going perfectly for this large family. Tony got a job as a defense engineer for Chrysler back oh, when shit. the auto industry in Michigan was still booming. With help from Madonna Sr., an x-ray technician, they were able to raise their young children in relative comfort. That actually, Yeah. American fucking dream right here. Yeah. What was this? The fifth? No, 60s? Early 60s. Yeah. Yeah. That is 100% American fucking dream. But it didn't last long. God damn it. While pregnant with their youngest child, Melanie, Madonna Sr. was diagnosed with breast cancer. Because she was pregnant, treatment wasn't an option until the baby was born. But by then it was too late. The cancer was aggressive, and within a year after delivering Melanie, Madonna Sr. was dead. She was only 30, and Madonna Jr. was only five years old. That's fucking terrible. Yeah. Oh, my God. Despite not really being able to get to know her mother, Madonna Sr. had a bigger impact on little Madonna's life than anyone could imagine. Her declining health confused young Madonna, but didn't under- who didn't understand why her mother cried so much and why she was rapidly getting physically weaker. And while the Ciccone clan was always an unruly one, Madonna Sr. would be able to rein them in. Now that she was gone, Madonna became the new mother of the household. Oh, Lady Madonna, children at your feet. Yes. Wonder how you ever managed to make ends meet. Yep. The uh, Beatles were singing about Madonna, but in the future. New conspiracy theory. Take it, kids. They're time travelers. <gasps> Paul wasn't dead. He was time traveling. <laughs> is this is this Beatles Outlander? It's this Beatles Doctor Who <laughs> because they're British. Oh, wait. Outlander's British. British and Scottish. Yes. Outlander who? <laughs> Outlander who? Precisely. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Madonna looked after her younger siblings and took care of her father, whom she became overprotective of to an extreme degree. Hmm. She grew up really fast, developing a hard emotional edge at a very young age, learning that she could only rely on herself. Despite his children's self-sufficiency, Tony knew he needed help raising them, but they resented and rebelled against any nanny or housekeeper Tony brought into the house. Fair. That is, until Joan Gustafson entered the picture. Within six months of being hired, Joan and Tony were married. And Madonna oh, had a stepmother. That's fast. That's a quick... That's really fast. That escalated quickly. Yes. Naturally, eight-year-old Madonna was re- resentful. She yep. re- she refused to call Joan mom, and as far as she was concerned, she didn't have a mother at all. That gave her a wicked sense of confidence, like she didn't have to answer to anybody. Oh, I'm sorry. Did Joan tell me I had to do that? Mm-hmm. 
I don't think so. Well, Joan's not my mom. Oh, did Joan say I have to do my homework before I can watch Animaniacs? Mm. <laughs> I don't think so, Joan. Sorry, Joan. It's not happening. Yeah, I think I'm going to play my Atari now because uh, you're not my mom, Joan. <laughs> think you know what's best for me, Joan? Yeah, Joan. <laughs> this is like when you say a word over and over again, it loses all meaning. Joan means nothing anymore. <laughs> And I bet that's how Madonna wants Probably. It. She just said her name a lot and it just lost all meaning. Right. And all the other kids are like, wait, this doesn't mean anything. Yeah. In 1968, Tony and Joan moved their family, which now included two more children, Jennifer and Mario. Too many kids. Too many kids. To a suburb of the suburb of Rochester Hills. Living in the suburbs did nothing to quell Madonna's rebellious streak. Oh, my God. I probably encouraged it. Yeah. In elementary school, she would famously flash her classmates for attention. <gasps> yeah. Ooh, okay. In like, elementary school. Ooh. I will say, like, that's when you have a sit down with the kid and be like, look, all right, we do need to have a, a like, all right. But, I don't care what you do, but, like, don't do that. But Tony was not that kind of guy. The man didn't do that. You need Meatloaf to come in and be like, I would do anything for attention, but I won't do but that. But I won't do that. Yeah. You need to stop. You need to stop doing that. Like, you are going to get so many adults on a sex offender list so quickly. But I think at this point, um, Meatloaf was um, kind of assaulting women oh. with uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Yeah. So, slightly problematic song. Still kind of love it, but so, it's, a, it's, it's so, problematic. If you want to piss everyone at the karaoke bar off... You do Paradise by the Dashboard Light. And follow it up by Journey. Yes. And then Bon Jovi. Ugh, I'm out. Fuck you. Hate this karaoke. This is the worst karaoke I've ever <laughs> been to. High school wasn't much different for Madonna. At age 12, when she was in junior high, she performed this at the school talent show by tap dancing to Baba O'Reilly in a fluorescent bodysuit. That's the fucking most amazing right? thing I've ever heard of in my goddamn life, and I want to see it. To us, that's fucking amazing. But to Tony, who is very conservative and definitely treated his sons and daughters differently, she was out of control. Look, Tony Rigatoni. Put the fucking brakes breaks on your life here and let your daughter fucking tap dance to Bob O'Reilly. It's great. <laughs> Stuff your fucking shells somewhere else. Huh? Tony. Tony, Tony Rigatoni. What's his name? Tony Caccioni. Ciccone. Ciccone. <laughs> I'm not Italian. I'm Irish. Oh, man. I'm about as far from Italian as you can get. I'm a little of both. No. And a little of other things. Mm. Very white, though. We're all, we're both quite white. Quite white. <laughs> they would call yes, us mellow yes. yellow, except we're quite we're, white. We're quite whitely. <laughs> yeah, Tony was very conservative and definitely treated his sons and daughters differently. Madonna knew that her brothers got away with a lot more than she did, but if anything, that spurred her to act out even more. Go for her. Although she had a defiant personality, she had a disciplinary streak. When she wasn't cartwheeling down hallways, she was getting straight A's in class. Her studious nature was something she learned at a young age from her father, who espoused hard work in order to reap benefits. That's a lesson that Madonna would take with her throughout her career. Despite the Baba O'Reilly incident, and possibly because of her great grades, Madonna's conservative father was okay with her being a cheerleader. Well... As part of the cheer squad, she could flash her underwear at boys in the name of sports, oh and God. it was much more acceptable. Oh, uh, okay. All of a sudden, she was one of the popular kids at Adams High, where she attended high school. By the sounds of it, she had the idyllic teen movie experience for a while. Mm. The popular cheerleader with tons of friends and a long line of male suitors and lost her virginity to the school heartthrob. But of course... <laughs> more like the school heart on. Am I right? Uh, <laughs> 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 but of course high, because high schoolers are the worst she was the subject of slut shaming time and time again no way no you don't say what slut shaming in the 70s what? no someone like madonna who's just freely expressing herself just being called a slut no that doesn't people sound right people didn't do that that doesn't sound right <laughs> god by now at age 15 madonna had developed a love of dancing She'd taken jazz and tap lessons, but she was searching for something a little more challenging. Besides Bob O'Reilly? Yes. Okay. And fluorescent jumpsuits. God damn it. 
So she enrolled in evening ballet classes. Her teacher was Christopher Flynn, who was possibly the most important and influential person in her life aside from her mother. Madonna trained with Christopher Flynn for years, and his teachings helped forge her into a fantastic dancer. But he was more than just a dance teacher. He was a friend. He brought in Madonna's musical tastes and exposed her to all walks of life, bringing her to art galleries and shows in Detroit and, most influential of all, out dancing at gay clubs. Hell fucking yeah. (laughs) Yup. The gay clubs of Detroit were Madonna's home away from home. She was only 16 when she started going, and even though she didn't drink while she was there, she was still the life of the party. She had finally found a place where she belonged. This started her transition from popular cheerleader to theatrical misfit. Yes. Her whole persona changed in high school when her interests turned from dancing and performing when she traded her cheerleader uniform for combat boots and short hair. Nice. But it wasn't long before Madonna would leave her classmates long behind for bigger and better things. She graduated from high school a semester early and enrolled in the University of Michigan at Ann Arbor. She didn't have to give up her dance lessons, though, as Christopher Flynn became a professor at the school's dance department. Huh. Like, was that just, like, happy kismet, like... Happenstance. Huh. Just happened. That's awesome. I'm sure they probably talked about it. And she was like, I don't Maybe want to... Maybe they influenced to... each other's decisions, but at the same yeah. time, like, also kind of crazy random happenstance. Right. Nice. She flourished as a dancer in college, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that Christopher Flynn's strict attitudes towards dancers' eating habits were supremely unhealthy. Oh, you don't say. He would, like, body shame them. gotta be skinny. He would body shame them in front of the entire class. Which, really, let's have a quick, let's have a quick powwow about this. I think a dancer needs to have, like, some rolls and some curves, because you're dancing, you're moving, you're jiggling. Like, if you're just, like, this skinny stick, it's just your... That also sounds like I am shaming in the opposite direction. I'm not trying to. I'm just saying, be yourself. Be happy to have because a little fat on any you. any body type can be a really great dancer. Right. Like, you have, like, bigger girls or boys who are amazing dancers. Yeah. And it's, like, they're kind of mesmerizing to watch because it's, like, they just know how they're... Like, you just need to know how your fucking body works. Yeah. And I, I get that ballet is very different. And it has traditions that are deeply rooted in... Things that happened hundreds of years ago, but times change. <laughs> wait, what? Like, times what? Uh, wait, they, what does time do? Wait, what does time do? They, it changes. Wait, what? People change. Wait, no. I mean, slavery's still cool, right? <laughs> times don't change, <laughs> right? Mm, not at all. We're not supposed to, like, look at life and be like, things change. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, everything's supposed to always stay the same. Yeah, and we can't, um, like, put past events into present context. Right, we're not supposed to do that. Uh, no, we don't do that. No, we're not allowed to do that. We can't do that. No, but fuck that. That's um, unfair. That's misrepresenting history. No, fuck that. Um, <laughs> You know what? Like... Fuck off. Touching we're doing ki- it. Touching kids is never cool. Telling people that they need to be skinny is never cool. And, like, slavery was never cool. Yeah, none of this shit's cool. None of this shit's cool, guys. Stop. So stop doing it. Yeah. That's why we still do it. But anyway. <laughs> so, but anyway. But yes. Okay. So he had problematic <laughs> views towards her eating habits. Yeah. But she always had her mind on what was next. She realized she'd gotten everything school could give her. So she quit college when her sophomore year was over and moved to New York City. Wow. She was like, fuck this shit. I'm just going to go do my thing. Yeah. Like, I've gotten everything I can out of these courses. I can go and do something else now. Nice. Obviously, Tony was pissed. Tony Rigatoni. Tony Rigatoni was was pissed off. Why are you going to New York City? Zay. Anyway, he thought his daughter was wasting a great opportunity and refused to let her go to New York. But Madonna was 19 and she'd had enough. Look, Papa, don't preach. <laughs> she, er, they had a particularly bad fight about the move in which she threw a plate of spaghetti at him and screamed, Stop trying to run my life for me. <laughs> hey, Tony, here's some spaghetti for your mouth. Shut, shut it. Hey, Shut Madonna. your mouth. And don't throw that spaghetti at me. Oh my god, we really need to stop spaghetti. doing this. Oh my god. I have Italian in me, it's fine. Oh, it's not fine for me. I, I also know I'm terrible at this. 
So despite the fight, Madonna left anyway, and it would be years before the rift between the father and daughter could be repaired. Mm. Madonna still had dancing on the brain when she arrived in New York. She joined Pearl Lang's dance company and performed in multiple productions. It was backbreaking work, but she seemed to be going places. However, a devastating experience made everything crash down around her. Yeah. One day in 1978, shortly after arriving in New York, she was grabbed on the street by a strange man. He forced her at knife point up to the roof of a tenement house and forced her to perform oral sex on him. When it was over, she didn't go to the police. She internalized the incident, which had a huge impact on her psyche and her self-esteem. I mean, God, it was so fucked up. But that's like, but it was 1978 was in New York City, and who's going to believe her? Now you're like, no, I don't even think it was a matter of not believing her. I'm sure they would have believed her. They would have been like, what do you want us to do about it? Exactly. Like, okay, well, this happened, so like you're what do you the, want? you're the tenth rape to come in this hour. Yeah, and she was apparently walking down a bad area. Right. But every area, so, but every area back then was basically a bad, bad area. Right. So they were going to be like, well, what did you expect? You were, you're a woman. You were walking in a bad you're area. You're an attractive woman walking in a bad area. So, so that's, it's fucking awful. She ended up losing concentration in class, complained that moves were too difficult, and eventually she dropped out of Pearl Lang's company. She definitely put on a front around oh, I'm people. Because sure. she did tell some of her friends, but she always shrugged it off like oh it's no big deal i'll get over it it's fine so it definitely affected her but she kept that shit to herself but here's a word of advice if your friend comes to you with something horrible that happened to you and they say they're fine i'm gonna guess they're probably not fine they're probably not but madonna was very good at making it seem like nothing fucking bothered her. And everything was totally fine. She just wants to have fun and forget about but it. But also, again, your friend that acts like nothing bothers them, I bet everything, everything bothers, bothers them. them. Yes. Yeah. It sure does. But she didn't give up completely. She just reset her sights onto something different. She already immersed herself in New York's club and punk scenes, having been hugely influenced by Deb- Debbie Harry and Chrissy Hind. Hell yeah. After a brief stint living in Paris where she gained a huge appreciation of Europop, it was a failed like business thing. Get to fucking Paris. She made so many fucking connections in That's New York, true. it was ridiculous. The the one thing like the some of the few things I do know about or always Madonna, but early Madonna is she was always really good at just like Going up, talking to people, yes. making friends. That's exactly what she, she did. She charmed the pants off everyone yep. she ever met. She would go into a dance club, go right up to the DJ and talk to him, make friends with him, say what you doing, what you playing, yep. you know, who do you know, who can I be friends with, and just talk to people. And that's exactly what she did. That's, that's how she got... Make friends with the DJ. Yeah. Yeah. That's and if you're I a know. dancer, if you're a musician, make friends with the DJ. Because Absolutely. they're already kind of in the scene. And if they like you... Yeah. They'll help you. And also make friends with the bartenders and the bar owners. And the bouncers. they know everybody. And any, like, backstage crew. If it's, like, a show that night, if there's roadies hanging out, make friends with... That's how you start. You start little. Yep. And that's exactly what she did. Little bits. (laughs) But after Paris, or in Paris, she gained a huge appreciation for Europop, and she started experimenting with music on her own. She desperately wanted to be in a band. And with the help of her musician boyfriend at the time, Dan Gilroy, they started one called The Breakfast Club in 1980. This was before the movie. Which is funny. (laughs) She started out playing drums, but eventually moved to her favorite spot, lead singer. But that's cool that she played drums. Yeah. I actually did not know she knew how to play drums. I mean, she wasn't great at it, but she played drums competently. Bet she was better than me. And certainly better than me. I can't but, play drums to save my fucking life. Yeah, I mean, they didn't really know what to put her on because she couldn't really play guitar or anything. Right. So they were like, well, you're a dancer. You have natural rhythm, so right. play drums. And she was good at it. All right. Go for her. Yay, Madonna. The band didn't last long and went through a couple personnel changes before Madonna decided it was just going to be called Madonna. Wait, the whole band was just called Madonna? Yeah. The guys in the band weren't too excited about that. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. Which led Madonna to seek out new help. That you mean a new band? Yes. Do you mean a new band? But it was help. It Oof. was it was her and then the band. You know what? She's doing the legwork. Yeah. She's looking. 
She's asking who's interested. Yeah. She's and, being up front. And it's not like she's saying, let's be a band. They're say- she's saying, can you play in my band? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's way different. Can when you, you play behind me? <laughs> basically, like, I'm a lead singer. I need a band. Yeah. You can reap whatever benefits you want, but it's my fucking band. Right. All right. So that came in the form of recording studio owner Camille Barbone, who saw a drive in Madonna like none other. She became Madonna's manager, transforming her into a solo act and giving her a steady salary so she could create music and still eat and pay her bills. As a result, Madonna started getting taken seriously. Instead of being looked at as a sex object by men who wanted to control and dominate her, she was now being looked at as a formidable musician with a legit management team. Hell yeah, Madonna, get it. And two two women doing this. So that's pretty awesome. Camille helped Madonna put together a band and then started writing. Starting off, to be honest, Madonna, like I said, was not really a great musician. She was learning. (laughs) Everyone she worked with said she was good and she could play instruments competently enough to create the basic structure of a song. But that's where it stopped. So it was like, it's like, are like baby drafts when they're born, like they can walk, but they're real fucking bad at it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so they she can was do like it. a baby giraffe. She can get it done, but it's... It looks real awkward. <laughs> it does. But she's and, doing it. And honestly, I watched a bunch of videos of her playing guitar, like, in the last 10 years. She hasn't really progressed that much. She can play basic chords. Right. But I can also play basic chords, and right. I have zero musical talent. So take that as you will. Right. So she's still a baby giraffe. She's still a baby giraffe. When it comes to like playing guitar and instruments and and instruments, she can sing. She can sing. Yeah, she's a very good singer. She's She's an amazing dancer. She's a phenomenal performer. People don't go to watch her play guitar. People go to watch her perform. She's not really a musician. She's an entertainer, which which is still valid. Yeah. Absolutely. And so culturally if, impactful. If you're going to pay hundreds of dollars to get a seat at one of her concerts and she fucking blows you away. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Mission accomplished. Sincerely. After four weeks of writing and recording, the group had four songs. They started performing them at venues around the New York area, gaining a small but fanatical fan base of young teenage girls. Yep. Madonna was completely uninhibited on stage, enrapturing audiences by making them feel like they were voyeurs witnessing something illicit, but without any overtly sexual acts. For now. For now. (laughs) Because even at this early stage in her career, Madonna's sexuality was front and center. Mm -hmm. She knew that her charm and sexual nature were great ways to control situations and get what she wanted. She was a master manipulator, both in life and on stage, and charming to the hilt. And that's why she captivated people so much. It wasn't that she was using sex to advance her career, but rather to get people's attention and hold on to it. And I might even argue she was sex. Yeah, she embodied it. It wasn't even just something that she knew could grab people's attention. I think it was something that she embraced. Yeah, and it's something, Which is pretty respectful, you know? And I think it was a direct result of not having really a mother mm. to, like, teach her about the birds and the bees and, like, this is how a lady is supposed to be and whatever. She was just kind of like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to fuck everything then. Right. It's fine. Who right. gives a shit? As long as I mean, you're... She's not wrong. Yeah. As long as you're being safe about it. And this was pre-AIDS. Condoms. Yeah. Condoms. Lots of condoms. Guys. 2019. Still a firm believer of condoms. And also, like, I think it has a lot to do with, like, her religious upbringing. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. Oh, it actually, yeah. it wasn't her dad's Italian Catholic side. It was her mother's French Canadian Catholic side that was super strict about it. Regardless, it's them Catholics. It's them Catholics. You know what Catholics are real good at? Shame. Shame. <laughs> Fucking, I'll tell you, I know all about that shit. I am 35 and I still feel shame sometimes Mm -hmm. because of my Catholic upbringing. Yep, yep. Thanks, Catholics. (laughs) What are you doing over there, Pope? What's doing good stuff? Doing good stuff? Doing good stuff. Yeah, I bet you are. One person whose attention she grabbed immediately was Mark Kamins, a DJ for Talking Heads and A&R guy for Island Records. Oh, shit. 
Madonna gave him a copy of her song, Everybody, at the Danceteria. Which is not the same as Black Box's Everybody, Everybody? Different. Okay. Different. That's a pretty good 90s jam. that's a great fucking jam. Yeah. But the Danceteria was a club where he was working, and he was impressed with the song Madonna gave him. So he brought Madonna and the tape to Seymour Stein from Sire Records, who signed Madonna to a singles deal. Okay. That's a deal. And I do believe that now is a good time to refill our drinks. Oh, my God. So we will be right back. Yes. We'll be right back. I need booze. Now we're, we're back. back. <laughs> <laughs> Madonna's first two singles, 82's Everybody and 83's Burning Up, both became hits on the dance charts, getting Madonna considerable notice. With the success of these two singles, Sire set her up to start recording her eponymous debut album. Mm. She ditched Mark Hammonds in favor Ooh. of R&B producer Reggie Lucas, mm. but the relationship was strained soon after they started working together. Oh, Madonna accused Reggie Lucas of putting too much stuff into her songs and changing them too much from the originals. He abandoned the project near the end without changing any of the songs back to how Madonna wanted them to sound. Okay. So she hired her boyfriend, John Benitez, to complete the mixing and fix the songs. Okay. Meanwhile, the song Ain't No Big Deal that was supposed to be on her album was sold to another Sire Records act which meant Madonna couldn't use it on her album. Oh, that's Shanny's. Yeah. So John Benitez was tasked with finding a new song to replace it. What he found was a song called Holiday, Mm. which, along with Lucky Star and Borderline, would become a top ten hit. Like, those fucking three songs. You just say them. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And every single one you can playing immediately in your head. Borderline, you can be my lucky star. Holiday. (laughs) Just a montage of Madonna in your head this whole episode. And then I think of the wedding singer version when he's like, holiday. (laughs) so upset. Celebrate. (laughs) Aww. Every time I hear Ladies Night, I have John Lovitz in my head singing it. He's completely losing his mind. <laughs> and I'm reaping the benefits. <laughs> God fucking John Lovitz. I think we're going to go with the DJ. <laughs> anyway. Yes. So Madonna was released on July 27th, 1983, peaking at number eight on the Billboard charts. Everyone was talking about her album and her clothes. Yup. This was the beginning of Madonna's status as a fashion icon. She was always very fashionable. Yes. Like, she always knew how to dress so it looked good and garnered attention. Yes. And these days, she's still garnering attention. Doesn't look so good. Maybe, like, just... We'll get to that. Just tone it down, lady. <laughs> seriously we still like don't, you still, you don't have to keep dressing yeah, crazy I know. I mean, to get us to like you a lot you. of the outfits she wears now i actually really like but i'm like but you need to have taken like 20 things off of your body before you left the house you needed that one friend to look you like mm, i love this but take this this she and this needed off. a coco chanel yeah she really needed a coco chanel get a grip friend yeah like oh honey i see what you're trying to do and it's a mess here just boop 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 and you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that some other time. <laughs> some other time. Probably next week. <laughs> next week, as in, yeah. Mm-mm. In the early 80s, her fashion inspiration was what she saw people wearing on the streets. It was a mix between streetwear, punk, religious iconography, bleached hair, and accessories made out of found objects like typewriter bands. Nice. Helped by her stylist slash artist friend Maripol who styled Madonna for various photo shoots and shows, girls everywhere started copying Madonna's style. Yup. Excited by the success of her debut, Madonna was eager to get back into the studio and record her next album. Like a Virgin was released on November 12th, 1984, to mixed (sighs) reviews from critics, but immense praise from fans. Oh my god. Cementing Madonna's place in pop music forever. Fucking album. It's so good. So good. 
Madonna wanted produce wanted to produce the album herself, but Sire Records believed she didn't have the experience needed for it. Instead, she chose to work with Niall Rogers, mostly because she loved his work on David Bowie's single Let's Dance. Uh, cause that's it's a fucking jam. A fucking jam. Yeah. It was a good choice because Like a Virgin spawned three massive hits. Like a Virgin, Material Girl, and Dress You Up. Yeah. And technically yeah. also Into the Groove, although Into the Groove was on the Desperately Seeking Susan soundtrack and oh. also like a bonus track on the UK version of Like a Virgin. Oh. So technically it was part of the album, but not really. But what really stuck in people's brains was Madonna's provocative style. She kicked things up a notch after Like a Virgin was released with extensive use of religious jewelry combined with lingerie and virgin imagery. It was the dichotomy of bad girl slash virgin girl that stuck in the craws of conservative folks. Again with the slut shaming. What? How, how dare this harlot use religious imagery while being sexy? How dare well, she? Was she also, I feel like she was also trying to go for kind of a Mary Magdalene kind of yeah. appeal as well. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge part of the Bible, Christians. Mary Magdalene, big thing. Jesus yeah, like, forgave her and like she followed him. And she was supposed to be a prostitute. And, that... and there's like, you know, those those scriptures that nobody likes to talk about or acknowledge. You mean exist. the Mary Magdalene ones? Yup. Those just didn't, those just happened to not fall into the Bible. They were like, nah, Luke, John, Paul, they're cool. Mary Magdalene, nah, she ain't gonna be around. We're gonna, we're gonna write how she, guys, the Bible's fake. Yeah, she wasn't a prostitute at all. No. And she married Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus wasn't like a miracle worker. He was just a really nice guy. (laughs) We're not a, we're not a biblical podcast. (laughs) No. 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 Further creating this complicated message was the cover of the album. Mm. She's lounging in a white wedding dress symbolizing feminine virtue, but the dress is lingerie inspired with a boy toy belt buckle. Yeah. It's sexy, but of course conservatives would be up in arms over the religious aspect of it. Think of the children. Think of the children. Can someone please think of the children? I, yeah. Like me as a child fucking loving this album because I loved Madonna when I was a kid. Truth. Like a Virgin was the first single off the album, hitting number one for six straight weeks. Naturally, conservative groups called for it to be banned, saying it was destructive to family values and promoted premarital sex. Will someone please think of the children? Well, someone has to promote premarital sex. Yeah. (laughs) She is thinking of the children. She is. Oh, no. She is forcing parents to have to have the birds and the bees talk with their kids. Because her parents didn't. I mean, her mother unfortunately could not, but neither did her stepmother. Neither did Joan. Joan didn't do shit. And then Tony Rigatoni's is over here like, hey, I'm going to give you the flat hand. <laughs> give you the flat hand. Give you the flat hand. Hey. Hey, curtains for you. Flat hand. <laughs> not the flat hand. Not the flat hand. <laughs> but that didn't stop MTV from inviting Madonna to perform the song at their very first Video Music Awards in 1984. And that shit. Who? In a now iconic performance, Madonna writhed provocatively on stage in her white bustier wedding dress. It caused a lot of commotion, but it didn't stop Madonna's rise in popularity. Go for her. And this was a pretty courageous move, because if any of the conservative crusaders knew about Madonna's private life at the time, she would have been actually crucified. Yeah. Madonna's relationship with John Benitez was on the rocks when she found out she was pregnant. She had an abortion, but the relationship continued to deteriorate and eventually ended. Yeah. Relationships are hard as it is. And then... Throw a baby into it in the early 80s? that A baby you don't want? Yeah. Yeah. It was a difficult situation, but she had her work and her music. And 1985 was poised to be her banner year. So wait, she made a choice. Because she had a choice. Huh. But she had to keep it fucking secret. She couldn't tell anybody. If she told anybody she had an abortion... Oh, in the 80s? Her her career would have been dead in the water. Ripperoni. Yeah. I mean, it was bad enough she was writhing around on stage in a wedding dress. Oh, my God. And talking about how she's a virgin again. (laughs) 
that was bad enough. If she, if people knew she had an abortion, fuck it. She, you know, it was a, it was what over. kind of a compliment is that though? That's a nice compliment to tell someone like, you make me feel like I've never had sex before. That's how good you are. Yeah. Hilariously, this song was written by a man. I think I knew that. Yeah. That's delightful. And they didn't really change it all that much from the way he wrote it and the but way I he think, sang it. <laughs> but I also do think that men want women to be like, oh my God, you make me feel like I've never had sex before because you're so good at it. My virgin. You know what? This all checks. It's that weird virgin complex. It is. Like, oh man, I want to have sex with a virgin. Why? why? They don't know what the fuck to do. I guess I mean, sit there. I guess it's also that domination complex thing. And it's the domination thing, but it's like, why? Cool, just they fuck don't a, know what to do. Just fuck a pie. You can dominate a pie too. Just fuck a pie. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like inanimate things that you're like, yeah, you could fuck that and dominate that as well. I mean, you could fuck a stuffed animal. You can dominate a stuffed animal. You can fuck a pillow. Yeah. You could fuck a flashlight. Guess what? And you can things. dominate all of those things because they're inanimate and they have no bodily autonomy. But maybe, like, don't look at women like that. You can fuck any inanimate object you want. <laughs> you Honestly. Can. Just don't do it in public, please. Oh, please don't. In your like, own, in the comfort of your own home. Preferably your bedroom. Everybody will thank you for that. Yes. Thank you for fucking inanimate <laughs> objects, ob- objects in your bedroom. Yes. Spurred by the success of the album and MTV performance, her record label threw together a massive tour dubbed the Virgin Tour. The tour, which went all over North America, had the Beastie Boys as Madonna's opening act. Oh, my God. A very, a very baby Beastie Boys. Oh, my God. This is like when they were still really punk rock. Not yes. T- not quite I think rap. It- like, they were, they were cresting on that rap life. Yeah, I'm not sure really when License to Ill came out. But I think it was before this. It was before License to L, yeah. Yeah. That's delightful. Right. Little baby Beastie Boys, little baby <laughs> Madonna. I can only imagine the shanties these guys got into. Oh my god. But I bet like she would like be coy with them but never let them like have yeah. anything edgewise. If she even talked to them. I don't know if she would even talk to them at this what? point. Oh. Yeah. Because even at this point, Madonna kind of had a superiority complex. I feel very torn on this because the part there's a part of me that's like you know what the like she she kind of needs to I think she she needs she, to. I think she needed to in order to survive and get as big as she wanted to be but I also think that it let her get really pretentious yes and now I think she's kind of a shitty person yeah like I, I don't yeah. think that she is good to people who she deems lesser than her. 100%. Even at this early stage in her career, absolutely. And and there's there's a difference between being confident and being someone who is self-assured and saying, "I know who I am, I know what I want, I know how I have to get it." And mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'm going to have to be a bit of a jerk on the way, but at the end of the day, like I'm still a good person. And then there's just like, "Now nah, I'm better than all you fuckers though." And yeah. I feel like Nobody's black and white, but I feel like on the gauge of that, it's definitely gauging a little towards more. Yeah, I'm better than you. She she kind of she did that to Camille. Definitely, <gasps> she did that. How to, dare you? Yeah, she did that to Camille. She did that to. Um, she kind of did it to John Benitez and yeah. like all the the series of boyfriends that she had when she was first starting mm-hmm. up in New York City. Um, there were some that she still collaborated with on her albums. On her subsequent albums. Um, but for the most part, she was just like, no, this isn't working. I don't need you anymore. I mean, even real quick, if you go back to March and listen to our Women's History Month, MIA, she left her hanging. Because she was oh, yeah, all yeah. about MIA doing the middle finger. But then yep. like when she was in trouble, where was Madonna defending exactly. her? Nowhere. Yeah, she do- she definitely does that. Like. She sees the opportunity in in socializing with you yes. and working with you. And then as soon as this relationship is not viable anymore, she's fucking out of there. You are you are only a surface friend. Yeah. You're not an actual She's a fair friend. weather friend. And she even did that to people she was very deep friends with. She hmm. always had kind of like 
a female friend that was like her her rock, her base that she would go to for everything. But as soon as something happened in her life or like the next step happened or she found somebody else to be best friends with, she was you were out. You were done. That's too bad. It is too bad. That's fucking unfortunate yeah. that you have to be like that. Yeah. Disappointed. So they were touring with the BC Boys and this was peak 80s Madonna wannabe era. Yeah. Everyone, the basic fans and the celebrities alike, were wearing lace gloves and giant bows in their hair and crop tops. Thanks to Madonna, the early to mid-80s had a fashion scene. And fashion played a huge role in Madonna's first movie role, opposite Patricia Arquette in Desperately Seeking Susan, released in 1985. Yeah. Is this a movie you have seen? I have not seen it, but I know that it's a movie with Madonna and Patricia Arquette in it. so good. It's actually really, (laughs) really good. Um, Rosanna Arquette received a BAFTA award. And Wait, was it Patricia or Rosanna? Rosanna. Why I'm sorry, I wrote two different names. It is Rosanna. There's a lot of Arquettes. There's a lot of Arquettes. And it's easy to get confused. Yeah. She's opposite Rosanna Arquette. And Rosanna Arquette received a BAFTA <laughs> award. <laughs> I don't blame you. Patricia is the more known Arquette. Now she is. But I think back then... Um, Rosanna. She was quite young. So. Rosanna was known for quite a bit. She dated a guy from Toto. Good for her. That song Rosanna is about Rosanna or a cat. Did you know? I didn't. You learned to hear first and or third on Rock Candy. Everybody else knew it. <laughs> Maggie heard this is it not here news. first. This is not news. I liked it. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> She also got a Golden Globe nomination for her part, but it was Madonna that wowed audiences. Right. Her role wasn't too far off from her actual personality, so it was a nice introduction of Madonna to the world. By the time they were done filming, Madonna's popularity had skyrocketed, and they could no longer film on the street without hordes of fans clamoring after her. Damn. With this almost instant surge in fame, of course, came downfalls. Because people are awful, some nude photos of Madonna taken in 1978, back when she was a penniless artist trying to make it in New York City, were leaked. I remember hearing about this. They were published in both Playboy and Penthouse magazines around the same time she performed at Live Aid. Courageously, she did not apologize for for the photos. Instead, she owned it. And like... Credit to her. I think even she believed it. Like, you know what? Fuck it. There's my naked body. What are you going to do about it? Which is a kind of crazy tact to take in a situation like this in 1985. Because back then you're supposed to, like, grovel at the feet of a fucking Jesus statue or something for forgiveness when something like this happens. I'm sorry I was naked once. Like, Like, I'm sorry I needed to fucking survive. If I recall correctly, those were photos taken by, like, some quote-unquote, like, art student and she did it for the money because she had just moved to the city around that time. Yeah, she was doing nude modeling for Mm -hmm. artists and I think somebody just took pictures of her, too. like, here's the thing, though. Like, she's got that body yaddy yaddy. If you're gonna make money off of just getting a couple fucking fine art whatever portraits taken... Fucking and she do was it. she was still a dancer then, so like she was skinny as fuck. Yeah, and she and had the, still skinny as fuck. She had that like muscular toned body that art students needed to like sketch to sketch classes, anatomy yeah. and stuff like that. So, so like, what's the big fucking deal? Yeah, God, I hate people. <laughs> Hopefully, it wasn't just some dude who got a camera like a week ago and was like I'm going to take tasteful nude pictures in the woods cause <laughs> like, I have an Instagram yeah I was and say, I take mean, like tasteful every man nudes now. I take tasteful nudes um if anybody wants to be one of my models I just got a Canon D1200 um and a couple lenses and I'm just messing with my lighting and stuff. My mom got it for me for Christmas, and um, I'm just trying to figure it I out. I found this abandoned warehouse, and I'd like to take pictures of you naked in it. <laughs> Stop doing that, man. They're not we tasteful news. We know what you're news. fucking doing. It's not tasteful news. You're just trying to get a chick to take naked pictures with you. Sorry. You're an adult. Just have sex with women. And also, you're not doing anything. Anything no. new. As if 1985 wasn't a crazy enough year for Madonna, she also got married what? to none other than actor Sean Penn. Ooh, this is not what? great. Boo. Ooh, this is not a great time for anyone. Mm-mm. 
They met on the set of her video for Material Girl, which probably enraptured the actor a little bit, considering the video's extravagance and sensuality. Right. And then it's all cute at the end. She's like, I'm not really a Material Girl. But she really kind of is. Yeah. It's kind of funny because, yeah, the whole video is a take on... um. Marilyn Monroe's yes. Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend yep. by Gentleman from the movie Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Mm-hmm. And which I don't think is true, by the way. No, I don't think that's true at all. I don't yeah. think they really give a shit. Like, gentlemen <laughs> Honestly, prefer vaginas. Yes. If they're straight. If they're straight. They made a slow going of it for a while until a few months until a few months in, something clicked and they were inseparable. Aww. But the relationship left a lot of people concerned. Sean Penn was already a star in his own right, with a reputation for being a hothead with a violent streak. Yup. So when Madonna uprooted herself and moved to Malibu to be with him, naturally her friends were concerned. Maybe you shouldn't do this. And rightfully so, because none of them were invited to her wedding. <gasps> so pretty, she pretty much forgot all of her New York friends. <gasps> but her star was skyrocketing, and she was marrying a famous actor. Her new friends would be much more influential. Again, come on. Again, master manipulator that knew how to use people to her advantage. Come on. Like, I have problems with this. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm kind of like, but okay. Because it, it, if it were a man at this time, nobody would really have a problem with it. I'm just saying, like, stop fucking abandoning the people who give a shit about you. Yeah, because that means you're a shit friend. Right. And I would say that even about a man. Yeah. You're I mean, a shit we, friend, actually, period. we have said that about men. Yes. Like, oh, cool. You forgot about all the people who helped you when you were down. Like, oh, you got a you got a girlfriend or a boyfriend and now you won't talk to any of your friends? Cool. Cool. Oh. I get it. I see it. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. I hate it. That's fine. I hate it. So now Madonna and Sean were married. So what's the natural next step? Baby. Mm-mm. Movie? Mm-hmm. Oh. They're in a movie together. It's like, they didn't have a baby, no, so it must didn't. be the movie. <laughs> Movies are babies. Shanghai Surprise should have oh, been no. a good movie. No. <laughs> First of all, it's called Shanghai, Shanghai surprise. surprise. The surprise is that it fucking blows. <laughs> I don't think that's a surprise. That's not a surprise. It was produced by George Harrison. That's yes, the surprise. Yes, that George Harrison. And involved a lot of action and romance. But the role was so far removed from Madonna herself that her performance was distant and stiff at best. You don't say. And Sean's violence towards the press at the time did little to pique anyone's interest in the movie. Mm. Even George Harrison complained that Madonna and Sean's performances were crap, saying that, quote, all Madonna needs is 500 milligrams of some good LSD, end quote, to have made her part good. Because you know who would say that? George, George Harrison. Fucking Harrison would say that. <laughs> she just needed some LSD and then she would have been a great actress. I love you, George Harrison. <laughs> fucking gone too soon. She put the shit. Fuck cancer. Yeah, fuck Between cancer. Between Madonna's mom and George Harrison. Yeah, fuck, fuck cancer. cancer. Yeah. She put the Shanghai surprise debacle behind her and went back into the studio to work on True Blue, her third studio album. Also a good album. Amazing album, honestly. It's probably my favorite Madonna album. Ooh, okay. Once again, she knocked it out of the park with this record. True Blue solidified the true Madonna sound, a danceable pop song with a great hook that goes a little bit deeper than most pop songs. Mm. Has a little bit more of an edge or... A little bit more meaning. Yeah. Yeah. It's She grew up a little bit for this one. Yeah. She had a lot of songs like that on this album, including five top five singles. Woof. Live to Tell, Papa Ugh. Don't Preach, Ugh. and Open Your Heart all peaked at number one. I fucking love Open Your Heart. Right? And I think it's my favorite Madonna song. Yeah. I think it's one of her best hits. It's and so good. I, I think people often kind of forget about it in... In, like, the rundown of Madonna hits. Yeah, I never see it in, like, oh, my top ten Madonnas. Like, are you shitting me? Open your heart's a fucking I would, solid jam. I would take it over Papa Don't Preach. That one's overplayed. Same. Same. Yeah. Same. Also, I fucking love Live to Tell. It's Live such to Tell's a good great. song. I would, you know what? But Tide, Tide 1 and 2, Open Your Heart, Like a Prayer. 
I fucking loved Like a Prayer when oh, I was a child. My I God. very clearly remember my mom telling me that the video was on MTV and I ran down the stairs to stand in front of the TV and watch it. We are both white girls who are products of the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Of course, Like a Prayer was yeah. one of our favorites. And I was extremely confused by the video, but watching it as an adult, I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. This is why I am the way I am. Yep. Thank you, Madonna. Thanks, Madonna. Thanks, Madonna. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's, that's what happened. Anyway. Yes. She dedicated the album to her husband. Okay. Which was groan-worthy at best. At best. Most of the songs were co-written by Madonna herself and inspired by Sean. Eventually, True Blue would become Madonna's best-selling album. Yeah. A massive international tour followed the album's release, which coincided with the release of her next movie, Who's That Girl? Oh, yeah. The movie didn't do so great. No. <laughs> but the Who's That Girl tour was a huge success, as was the single from the movie soundtrack of the same name. Not seeing success anymore was her marriage to Sean Penn. What? It's you like, don't say. It's like this just wasn't meant to be. Because mm-hmm. Sean Penn's a mess. And you're just kind of busy doing your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. From the beginning, Sean and Madonna were polar opposites. He hated the spotlight being with Madonna brought him, frequently assaulted photographers, drank too much, liked guns too much, hated Madonna's gay friends, Uh, called them the F word a lot. Oh, let's not do that. And was generally a miserable fucking asshole. All right. Also... Read a story where when they were in Hong Kong filming Shanghai Surprise, he dangled a journalist (gasps) over a balcony by the feet. Oh, yeah. And I kind of remember that. Like, not from a childhood, but I remember hearing about that. And he was arrested, thrown in jail in Hong Kong, escaped, and fled back to the United States. Like you do. Like you do. So she filed for divorce in December 1987 and then had a brief affair with JFK Jr. Oh, yeah. That didn't last long. Only like three months. And by mid-1988... You know what, though? Like, good for them. I I feel like three months is a lifetime for both of them. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) And by mid-1988, she was back with Sean. But things just got worse, especially when Madonna became best buds with Sandra Bernard. Huh. Seems an unlikely pair, but I guess it also makes sense. But also, Madonna does what she has to do to survive. Exactly. Sandra being a lesbian, this didn't go over too well with Sean, and he started drinking heavily. I have to deal with the fact that my girlfriend is friends with a lesbian, so I need to drink. Yeah, and could possibly be hooking up with her, as rumors tried to suggest. And I'm sure Madonna was like, yeah, keep those rumors up. It makes me more popular. And also, she did like women, too. That's right. Yeah. By the end of 1988, he'd become psychologically unstable and held Madonna hostage in their house. Oh, my God. That's right. She filed for divorce again, and this time she meant it. (laughs) (laughs) I filed for divorce, Sean, and this time I fucking mean mean it. it. I mean it. I mean, it's no joke. Like, their relationship was abusive and terrible. Yeah, it was horrible. And they should have never fucking been together. No, he shouldn't have been with anybody. He was fucking nuts. Right. This was a time of deep reflection for Madonna, who is now looking back on her family and her childhood and her mother's death and really trying to figure out who the fuck she was. Yeah. And that is where we're going to stop it for but this week. But who the week. fuck is she? You'll find out next week. But I need to know now. Well, well you gotta wait. I'm giving you the... Flat hand. Oh, God. Yes, ma'am. Give you yes, ma'am. Hand. I've gotten the flat hand. <laughs> I know where I stand now. Yes, we're going to have to, like, we're going to have to um, give a, a nice pictorial grid of all of these Italian hand gestures. Yeah, you're going to have to look that up so I can, like, just post that somewhere. Yeah. Be like, guys, these are the Italian hand gestures. Yeah. Know them. This learn them. This is what they mean. Yeah. Because you will need them for the Madonna episodes. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like our Steve Harvey face reference guide. Oh yeah, that's an, an that's Italian hand gesture reference guide for this episode. I mean, there's only three, but they're very important, and you need to know them. I we can we can find more. We can educate. No, I feel everybody. like most people who are Italian at least are like, we, I fucking know. <laughs> 
I'm well aware. I've seen yeah. them my whole life. If you came from an Italian family, you know what you're you talking about. You fucking know exactly what we're saying. Yep. Yes. <laughs> oh, my. And it, the flat hand? Terrifying. Run away. All right. Good. <laughs> Let's put a fucking pin in this till next week because I can't keep doing Italian accents. Yeah, we I'm need to I'm offending <laughs> everyone. Thank you. If you have listened past the t- terrible Italian accents, thank you for listening to Rock Candy Podcast. We appreciate you. We love you. We need you. We need your love. We need your support. Keep giving it to us. And you can continue to give it to us by going on to maybe iTunes and dropping us a sweet baller five-star review and being like, man, you guys are great. That'd be cool. (laughs) You can even just follow us on the Instagrams and the Facebooks at Rock Candy Podcast and Twitter at Rock Candy Pod. And we've got our website, www.rockcandypodcast.com. And just hit us up and talk to us. Be like, hey, you guys are cool. I would like to talk to you about Italian hand gestures. <laughs> Honestly, we would probably talk about most anything. Yeah, just don't tell us to shut the fuck up. Yeah. That would be great. Because I'm not going sh- <laughs> to... We're the not going to shut the fuck up. We're not going to shut the fuck up. Yeah. So if you're, if, you're glad, if you're good about that, good news. We're not going to shut the fuck up. There's that. So lucky you. So lucky you. And I mean... Maybe we're not your cup of tea, or maybe we are, but either way, you should check out our network, the Pantheon Network. It is all wonderful, amazing shows about music. You should totally check them all out. Runs the gamut of really every, does. every kind of music podcast you could possibly want to listen to. I've been to. checking out Who Cares About the Rock Hall. Very good. Very funny. Definitely check them out. And yeah, we've got a ton of friends up on there. Good times. Great oldies. Do it. And some newbies. And some newbies. I mean, we're technically noobs, so. Yeah. Yeah. Noobs and olds. Check them all out. And also, if you really want to support us monetarily, you Mm. can donate to our Patreon and get some pretty sweet fucking swag. Swag, swag, swag. Swag, swag, swag. Also, boner episodes. And bonus episodes and some coasters and some pins and some stairkers. Ringtones. Ringtones. We made those. Yeah. They were good times. I still haven't been able to put mine on my phone. I don't know how it works. I will help you Thanks. put that on your phone tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so just visit uh, patreon.com slash rockcandypodcast for that. And you can see some pretty awesome videos of us. Yeah, we're being stupid. It's fine. Yeah. But also our dogs are cute. Yeah. So there's that. And yeah, so then next week we'll uh, we'll talk more about Ms. Madonna. Yes, we will. Part two that we got a lot to cover. Yeah. I only She's... got up to 1985 this episode. No, you got up to 1988-ish. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. She's she's a busy fucking lady. Seriously. She is though. There's a lot going on there. But uh yeah. Until next week, you kids uh you know, hang tight. We'll be back. Until then, party on Ashley. Party on Maggie. And party on you crazy kids out there. Bye. Bye. Your balls, your balls out. Hey, yeah, thank you, Zay. Put <laughs> your balls out and yeah, yeah. <laughs> Flat hands. Flat hands. <laughs> no. <laughs>